Welcome to this uh, extra special version of Sonic Talk. Uh, it's a pre-recorded version. If you were here looking for the uh, live stream, um, it's not here. But we're doing a kind of pre-recorded insert. I, I don't know if you know, but if you've been listening to previous versions of Sonic Talk, uh, Mark Chinley, a regular contributor, a regular guest on the show, been here with us for a number of years, actually, has uh, just had a project that he was involved in uh, released, which is uh, TV Mania, and it's... Uh, it was a collaborative effort. It was something that was done, uh, as far as I know, back in the day that has been rediscovered. I'll let perhaps him talk about it. But what we've also got is an additional guest. But I'll introduce our guest first. Obviously, we'll come to you first, Mark. Mr. Tinley, uh, good to have you aboard again. Thanks for joining us again today. I know it feels only like yesterday that we spoke. How are you? It does, doesn't it? I, d- I don't know why. It feels almost identical to yesterday as well. I've got, it, oh, my computer's all in the same place. I could almost be in a time warp. It's almost uh, so identical that I had to remember to change my shirt because I was wearing something similar. <laughs> anyway, thanks. Uh, Mark, of course, uh, you know, uh, likebeing.com, uh, programmer, sound artist and uh, creative thinker. But we also have uh, another guest in the form of Anthony J. Arresta, who is in Boston. Is that right, Anthony? At the moment, yes. And uh, do I detect uh, you look like you're in some kind of studio environment there? Yeah, this is our this is Bapnik Music. It's a it's a audio playground. It's like a museum. People tell me I should charge admission. It's crazy here. Uh, I did see um, that you are a collector of. Uh, uh, um, I, I think I've got a shot here. Actually, if I switch to this, yeah. I, I managed to bring your website up, and it's just it's like a sort of beautiful tea loft of some kind. Yeah, it's just a big, it's, a, it's an old mill that's got like brick and beam, and it's been. Here since like the 1912 or something. It's absolutely beautiful looking. Thank um, you. I, I should probably come back and say the reason um, that you're here, um, apart from being a generally interesting chap, is to uh, talk to us about uh, your involvement in the project as well. Because obviously, um, TV Mania Music, uh, let, let's just kind of get this, the facts straight. It's uh, TV Mania. The album is called... Um, ah, now I've got to get my other notes up. I've got too many windows open. Is uh, called... Board of Internet and sorry, Board of Prozac and, and and the Internet. That's correct. And it was originally kind of artistically, I guess the headline acts, you know, in within the group are uh, Warren Cucurullo and Nick Rhodes, right? So that's right. is that is that they, would they be the artists and you guys are more the technical, or is, or is that a bit unfair putting it that way? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's that's make, the record making process is always you know, it's like they say there's two things you should know about uh, how to make sausages and how to make records. You know? <laughs> or how to make tea? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's they're, they're Nick and uh, Warren it was their brainchild, and Tinley helped them launch the, you know, ah. the foundation of it, and um, you know, and then, you know, they came to me at the time for doing post production, and uh, mixing. So basically, my friend and partner at that time, Bob St. John, and I uh, spent a lot of time transferring everything to analog tape but I, before that process I spent six weeks working on it in my loft space here just in sweetening things you know adding little transitions and things like that uh, okay but the foundation was done before it got here but I guess the interesting thing there is a sort of story to this because I mean you may listen to it now and it sounds kind of pretty contemporary but in fact it started life way back Mark do you have uh, do you have the full skinny on this um, well the project probably started life 
in November of 1995, and it was something that Nick and Warren had been watching this fashion TV program, and they'd started to get a sense that some of these, well, I think Warren particularly, had started to get a sense that some of the voices he was hearing were really musical. But a few weeks prior to that, um, we'd been working on the Medazzaland album, and we were trying to get some loop together for the, the song Medazzaland, and I kept coming in with all these different weird things that I'd sampled off the TV and trying to make them fit into the Medazzaland track. So, so I'd sampled this thing, this little Indian man saying he grabbed the sun from the news because I was watching something about the solar eclipse in India. And we'd made this loop, and then I think that, you know, there's just these different kind of elements came together in, in that space and either Warren or Nick turned around and said, hang on a minute, let's start making a record out of TV samples and all of these loops that we'd set aside from the Medazzaland song. I've got this, this is He um, Grabbed the Sun coming up here. Yeah, exactly. This is track eight off the album, if in case you're interested. I'll fade it back out again, just to add a little bit of extra spice. That's nice. Um, something quite noticeable about the TV Mania album, and that's that lots of the songs on the album are the same tempo as the song Medazzaland, there's the title song Medazzaland on the Duran Duran album, because these are all things that got set aside that didn't work with Medazzaland, and we started to stockpile this little kind of thing of loops and stuff, and then, um, and then, um, Warren had me sample like a ton of stuff off Fashion TV and laid it all out on keys. And then there's this thing, there's a woman called Diana Deutsch, although I didn't know anything about her at the time, but she talks about this kind of effect that happens. She's a cognitive psychologist and she says if you listen to dialogue for long enough, eventually your voice starts to hear it as music. But I think Warren just does this process a lot quicker than everybody else. So he was sort of hearing musical things in samples and then playing them in and like kind of creating all these different kind of musical things the more times the weird thing about this album is the more times you listen to this album the more your brain decodes the dialogue and turns it you know, into that is music. absolutely true because i've listened to it three times now and the third time you know each time i listen to it it becomes more and more uh, you know you because initially when you listen to dialogue, it's like um i also um it, it reminds me a little bit of my life, in the, my life in the Bush of Ghosts, that kind of vibe where you're sort of yeah. throwing in uh, the dialogue and there's an, almost a narrative, but it, the narrative isn't quite as, as lengthy in these tracks as perhaps in the Bush of Ghosts. You know, they took the Jezebel speech and all those kind of things, but it's a very similar kind of concept. Was there any conscious decision to make it like that necessarily? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think that had even occurred to anybody at the time, but um, it was... It was very much, I mean, Nick came up with this whole story, so it was very much about creating something that wrapped around Nick's script. So he literally, he came in one day with about 40 pages of script and said, right, this is the story, this is what happens. And then it was all sort of like created around that story. Oh, that's interesting. But so it's actually got a narrative. It, it did have a script, yeah. Oh, okay. it, well, it, didn't have a, it didn't have a, an actual narrative, but it does have a... It has a scripted outline of a, a storyline, like oh, okay. what happens. So the dialogue's not there yet, but the storyline is. Right, Anthony, I think Nick, Nick originally envisioned it as a possibly an, a Broadway play where, you know, this this could all play out as a as a full length, like you know, a story. Ah, well, there, okay. Like there a must be. Um, I mean, there must be about seventy songs somewhere, but I don't know where they are. 
So what is the story of this? I mean, how come it's taken till now to see the light of day? I mean, is it just one of those things that's been on the back burner or is, it, is there another story going on? Well, there's a bunch of, a bunch of things. The studio that we did the mixing at um, went under and they disappeared in like some of the, the analog masters, the two inch masters have never been found. Um, so there's been like, there's that. So, you know, so, you know, and then there was various things floating around for ages and like, you know, I guess Metropolis misplaced a bunch of stuff possibly. I don't know. It's a long story, convoluted. Well, there's also, there's another chunk of that in that, um, Andy Taylor rejoined Duran Duran in 2000 and Warren moved back to Los Angeles. And in the move back to Los Angeles, I think, uh, lots of master tapes went into storage and just basically some of those I think have disappeared or, I mean, you know, they're probably underneath the bloody backdrop from that year's tour or something. Like yeah. God knows where things are, you know. Oh, there's lots of stories on there about um, stuff that gets uh, put in lockups and then forgotten about and rediscovered years later. You know, always finding kind of mellotrons and stuff. You know, so I mean, I'm sure it must be the same. Particularly with, I mean, Duran were doing kind of big tours, so there must be huge amounts of stuff just in garages or you know the oh, yeah. the musical equivalent of that kind of thing. Uh, going on so Anthony you know your role within the project was more sort of uh, so you were at the mix stage right so a lot of those samples where did they come were they sort of triggered were they triggered in or spun in or was it put well the I mean before the mix stage I spent six weeks doing post-production so I'm a co-producer on the record I did a lot of like percussion and you know just sound design like Tinley you know adding backdrops to things working a lot with the Roland sound space putting things in like sort of 3d Spaces. Oh. That's so to you were about. using RSS back then. Yeah. And who would who would know that RSS would then end up becoming a news feed? It's kind of bizarre, isn't it? That, that kind of acronym. I know is, that is. Oh funny. yeah. Um, did, what a, was it about the RSS? Because the, the, there was a whole load of stuff, you know, through the uh, sort of Q-sound. late 80s and 90s, where people were trying to get this 3D thing going. And what was it about RSS that kind of that made um, made that you know? You choose it. It's, it's just a magical box. I mean, I, I just actually got one um, recently. It, it, they're hard to find. They were like forty thousand dollars when they first came out, and now I, I got mine for like two thousand. Um, it just came up quick on eBay, and I grabbed it. Um, but they, it's eight uh, outputs. It's two in and eight outs, and there's these little dials that you play with the axis of a. You know, it's almost like the, the concept of like when you have a, a styrofoam head, a sphere with a you know binaural. It's it's like trying to emulate that but like in in the stereo field it's all done with crazy weird phase stuff and it's some a funny story i you know we used it a lot on on medazzaland the track medazzaland as well and nick told me one time that he was doing a a radio interview in scotland or something on a mono station he he said anthony it was an instrumental (laughs) he said the vocals were gone yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to. Find, I'm desperately trying to find a picture of uh, RSS. I do remember it. The system. It almost looked a bit like a set of. They had dials with red yeah. outer. Eight, eight dials, eight dials. But also uh, a huge there's, there's, rack. There's of three, stuff. three two space racks. Yeah. Spaces that go with it, and it's a it's a strange box. I mean, it works really well. I think on speech. There's you know sometimes um, you know certain musical things it can get smeared and phasey, but with speech it tends to put the. Sp- a lot of the spoken parts outside the boundaries of the speakers. Sometimes they appear to be coming from up behind you, 
Um, and if you'll notice that in certain environments, especially in a car, you can really hear it in a car. Oh, that's interesting. Because that was always the problem with those systems, wasn't it? It never sounded the same. It sounded different. Yeah, wherever different you were listening to it on, which yeah. is obviously a bit more yeah. tricky, I suppose. And headphones it... are a different altogether as well. So it was it was kind of a bit of a Russian roulette going with that, you know. So out of interest, what did you mix on? I mean, what was the what was the mix system you used? Uh, we mixed um, we mixed on an SSL. Um, you know, we we transferred everything to analog tape, and we locked up two uh, two. Uh, you know, Studer A820s in a... Wow. Yeah. Back in those days. So there, there's always, there was always time to have a sip of tea or roll a cigarette or something in between yeah, well, uh, rewinding well, you wait the tape. Chase each other. Did you have a 16-track Pro Tools system, Anthony? Um, at that point, I had not. I was doing everything, um, you know, on the fly. I was using Akai sequencers, I mean Akai samplers with my yeah. bits chopped up and running uh, Vision, if you remember Vision, Opcode Vision, I was oh, using yeah. that as a sequencer. And, um, and I loved it. I loved Vision. Um, because I, I remember when we laid the tracks down, I literally, I had four tracks of digital audio and everything we did was recorded in the computer first and played around with and edited. And after we played around with it and edited it, then we printed it, then I muted that track, and then I moved on to the next kind of block of four on the, on the sequencer. Because when I load those sessions up, they're logic sessions, when I load them up, everything's there, but it's all kind of in really weird, it's all assigned to outputs one to four, because that was all I had. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's assigned in really weird ways, and then half the plugins kind of don't work, because... Uh, the wrong side I had of us, to take yeah. them off so that I could put different plugins for on, on for other tracks and stuff. So. Well, we had we had tempos and sympathy start times because I was using sympathy to, to lock up all my stuff. Oh um, right, you know, and it all locked perfectly. I mean, Tinley's a, an, an expert at, at synchronization. It's never been a problem with anything except for maybe electric Barbarella. That wasn't your fault. <laughs> that was a mess. <laughs> I'm, de- I'm detecting there's some kind of story there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a very funny story. Ah, well, you know, if there's time, you know, there's, feel free to. <laughs> that was well, a, a Duran track, wasn't I mean, it? it like, it's, it, I've been in situations like this in studios, you know, not so much anymore. Those days seem to be over, but we used to have the uh, Atari, I forget what it was called, but it was like the universal, like, ST. Yeah. solver. Yeah. <laughs> and there, we, you know, you'd, back then we would be, like, syncing up analog machines to the Sony 3348 and just, like, you know, there's the the word bits were like 256 for Sony and this and that for this and oh, that. And oh, when you said, oh, a, when you said Atari, I thought you meant Atari. You mean Otari. The, uh, Atari. Te- was it a Zeta 3 by any chance? Yeah, it might have been that. No, it was bigger than that. It was a, a something O24. It was like a universal slave driver or something. And we just would get into all kinds of weird problems and then offsets just wouldn't make sense. And then sometimes there'd be string parts that were drop frame and then, you know, you got... Two different kinds oh, of sympathy. Just, I mean, the, the, we used to spend days just. I can't imagine. We had a TV show called Sync TV. It could just be people watching us ring our. It's funny, isn't it? When you kind of revisit stuff. I mean, that, that's the thing about this. I mean, this is this come out. It's got. A, a, it, it's well. What are we talking? We're talking, you know, nearly 18, 18 years yeah. since it was initially uh, kind of. Uh, conceived i suppose yeah uh, and it's got a very it, it, to me it had a very sort of strong flavor of like i say my life in the bush of ghosts but also the orb that kind of blue room sort of atmospheric kind of slightly random um atmosphere with kind of quotes sort of dropping in and uh, yeah. that was kind of interesting i'll tell you a funny story though because i'm listening to this on spotify 
and so you know Spotify I have the ad supported version and there's currently uh, an ad campaign for uh, drunk driving and the the quote is a chap is on the phone and he's saying oh you know he's he's basically talking about his feelings at the time and he keeps coming on halfway between in between tracks on this album and it you sounds it very funny. much like part of the record <laughs> and oh, it, it's a really bizarre and that's the funny thing with the ads in Spotify sort of become merged with the content because of the way that all of that that that's that's working uh, tell me one thing that, that there's track euphoria uh, let me play a little bit of it because i think it's, it's got a very interesting uh, sound that i would like to um see if we can get in let me see if i turn this up it's got a long introduction maybe if i you've got some filtering on the drums there sounds a bit like one of those filter queens or something but the vocal has a really unusual quality. It's like some munchkinized, but in a kind of very stylized way. Let's see if we can, if it comes in before we, uh, before Abs. And hopefully, um, YouTube won't uh, copyright our asses on this either, because uh, sometimes they have the copyright recognition stuff. So if I talk over the most of it, then <laughs> then it'll have trouble recognizing it, because this is essentially reportage. So uh, I figure it's fair. Right. So I think it comes in a sec. Feels like we're about to hit a, a point. Great bass on this as well, sort of almost fretless kind of. Random joy, expressive toy, you captivate my mind. I never answer telephones, don't like to leave my screen alone. That's a really interesting sound, I thought, of the vocal. Do you know what that was? Yeah, it's a Digitech studio vocalist. Oh, what, the red thing? No, no, the green Green to you rack thing. But that's Nick's girlfriend, and she can't really sing. So she came, and she could do it in time, but she couldn't do it in tune. So I basically vocoded her using the Digitech vocalist and then played the notes, and then it did take a very long time to fix and make it sound like that. <laughs> and she won't be upset that I'm saying It's a that. cool... It's a, how are we to know that like every app, like Songify and all these things that the teenagers do, they speak into it, and it turns into a Kanye West song immediately. I mean, who knew back then that that was going to be, like... The way music, pop yeah, music. No, well, that's I think really interesting. Cher, like, I've done her go with the vocalist at that point, actually. But or maybe she hadn't. Maybe this was slightly before it's, that. It's a, it's a great sound. I enjoy the sound of it. Her voice. You did a great job. What's it called? Digital Digitech Studio. Studio vocalist. I still got one in the rack. I haven't turned it on for about eight years, it's but it's green. in there. It's got, I'm it's green and it's got an I extra think, I think front panel. This is exactly the sort of thing. Ah, images for studio vocalists. So here it comes. Probably, probably about fifty bucks on eBay at this uh, point. Yeah, but it's got a really interesting yeah. sound to it. It does. It's got a lot of features. Oh man, I can't find it now. That's I mean, we did use that a lot, and Warren used to sing into it and then play, play the keyboard at the same time as he was singing, and could like get it to do. Some, I mean, that maybe that was more with the Duran stuff because Simon. Yeah, here it is. It's there. It's a sort of green. It's a brown. It's a. Is that it there? That looks about right. Studio Tech vocalist. Digitech, yeah. Digitech Studio vocalist. So just get me straight. So you could play. You could play the notes in on a MIDI keyboard that would then. Yeah. It would then jump. It would just. And it has styles. It would, just, it, would have, it would have styles. You would go into programs. It would have, you know major sixth up, minor third down. There's all these programs that could do various different types of harmony. 
That sounds great. Well, I, like, I just really like the sound. And would that vocal have been pr- processed for the RSS? Because it's got a real ethereal, sort of weirdly, it's slightly uncomfortable, almost phase-like kind of quality. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm sure, I mean, we were using a lot of things on vocals, like um, I was a big fan of the Lexicon Vortex at the time, and a lot of people thought it was a piece of crap, but I used to really enjoy using that on vocals. <laughs> what did that do? Yeah, that I rings a bell. There's a load of crap. <laughs> what did the Lexicon Vortex do? It was, uh, it was like... It was like effects would morph into each other. So you'd yeah, have like a, an effect called, say, <laughs> orbital, and then you'd have an effect called centrifuge. Right. And centrifuge would be a sort of a spinning thing. And you could there's a lot of different parameters you could dial in for as far as the speed of the morph from one sound to another. So you could make something turn from an orbital into centrifuge over X amount of bars, and then you could... You know, it was, it was a pretty advanced piece of gear. I never for... really thought it did that, but... but <laughs> oh, it did. I, I, it just seemed like it basically, if, if you had like a whole load of faders for your like reverb and your delay and maybe the reverb time and the delay time and the modulation, it just kind of, it just try, kind of changed the mix from one effect to another effect. It never really seemed to more. Yeah, no, I mean, you have to play with it a lot. I mean, I, I got it to do a lot of really interesting things by, really? you know, there was only, I remember Orbital and Centrifuge being the, the two that I used the most and there are a lot of parameters like, in there that you know you can play with as far as attack and i haven't used that in years either i don't even remember the, what the menus do i have two of them sitting over in the rack over there i haven't turned them on in 10 years well that's interesting uh, you've got you, you you keep kind of reminiscing about this stuff and kind of saying how I great keep everything i'm how a great, rat. how great it is but so what what and you and yet yes it says in the the Bopinique, um uh sort of a blurb that you know it's like a treasure trove of vintage stuff i mean is that the kind of vintage stuff you got or you what's the kind of range of stuff that you tend to have oh i mean to? i've got i've got over 50 guitars from the you know from the 50s and 60s and you know a lot of vintage amps a lot of vintage mic pre's and i can give you a walkthrough maybe at the end i'll just walk through with my my um that'll be awesome yeah laptop you could see some stuff that'd be great yeah fantastic just, just the gamut you know nick nick got me into the stylophone i've, I've about half a dozen of those, uh, and and the Omnicord. Remember that one, Tinley? Yeah, yeah really lovely, you. shimmery. Uh, There's a lot of that on the TV Mania, and 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 whatever you guys did to process it was made it very unique. It's like I don't hear it and go, oh, Omnicord. It's like they they always everything on that album was processed through. Well, most of it went through an AKS Synthi and an H3000. Yeah. So the K2000 was literally permanently plugged into the input, the audio inputs of the AKS Synthi, yeah. and then that ran in through the H3000, and there were loads of impedance mismatches there, so God knows what that's that a, That's a great, sound. so you, you basically monoized the hell out of it, yeah. and then stereoized the hell out of it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things were coming out the H3000 and going into foot pedals, and then back into the, so I was coming from like plus four studio level down to sort of minus 20 foot pedal guitar line level and then out of that and then back into the rack where and i had all these wires twisted together on the floor good man that's the way it Um, should be it's interesting if you want to plug something into something else and nick nick had said well what would happen if we put that through there i'm like i don't know let's find out and then i just kind (laughs) of connect it up and try it and so there was a lot of that going on i mean there's there's a good chance that those uh those drums with this like sound if that was because I, I did that to quite a few things. So if that was anything to do with me, which it may or may not have been. I think I that one particularly was, actually, because I remember that being part. I, I added some other breakbeats to that track. There's like an old, uh, like, 60s, like, 
Motown kind of thing going on that's underneath it with that kind of like a crappy like Motown kind of kick like underneath it. I, right. You would layer tons of loops. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was the 90s, man. That's what you did. With the, H3, uh, with the K2000 filters. So animating the filters in the K2000 to get it to do different things. But a lot of that, again, it's all fed through the AKS. Yeah. So that's, that's really that interesting. Flavor. I didn't realize that uh, that would have... I mean, that, there is a, a definite sound to that instrument, which will kind of... Uh, it limits the bandwidth of things. And that, things yeah. yeah, it's an interesting idea. Uh, going back to the um, H3000, the Eventide H3000, I mean, that was the effect of that whole decade, probably, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. there, was, there were all different versions of it, and I remember um, I occasionally do the live sound for bands that would bring those along, and I'd put it in the rack, and they'd go, yeah, we need this on this vocal. And, and it just, it was the sound of the century, you know, the sound, well, not the sound of the century, the sound of that decade. The decade. Did, Absolutely. Was it the there same a, in the States? Because that was very much... Yeah, right. well, I was using... At that time, I was using a DSP-4000, I think, had come out, and there was a patch on there called Echo Space of God, which is a mixture of uh, different delay, multi-tap delays and, and reverbs, and I still use it to this day in my stereo guitar uh, effects. It, it's just it's just a great... Um, I mean, I, I basically have the box for about... There's, I probably use about five presets in the whole thing, you know? I'm just looking for images of the H3000, just for a bit of uh, nostalgia. Yeah, I it took me years to there get into go. the H3000 because I couldn't get it to do that kind of cheap, gritty reverb that I was no, used to. No, that's the problem. For all of us that were brought up on 12-bit samplers and MIDI verb 2s, <laughs> you was put one of those luck, in front, it's yeah. like, oh, no, I can't, I, I can't hear it properly. It's too, it's too light. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was very I, radical yeah, as well. I actually got into it, though, my, I mean, my favourite thing's the infinite reverb thing, and that's probably all over that euphoria voice. I had a thing in there called Tinley's... Tinley's hold or something like that, which was basically we basically fed things into it and then pressed the button and then it just went on forever. And I could have gone home for the weekend, come back on Monday morning, and it still would have been going. Oh, it's like the um, the Quantec Room Simulator was a similar thing, had a freeze function, didn't it? It was like that kind of obscure um, Australian DSP thing, and that that was used a lot by. uh, people like Kate Bush and Gabriel and stuff that just had that kind of freeze. Uh, and I did see they, re- they re-released it quite recently. And I remember it used to be quite a big unit, yeah. And now I see it now and it's like sort of this deep. And it's still oh, got really? the front panel, but it's all obviously... It's so probably done in DSP rather than... Um, well, I, no, it was definitely... QRS was definitely as a... I remember seeing it at Music Mesa um, maybe a couple of years ago and thinking, yeah. oh, that's nice. Yeah, no, I've heard of them. I've never never played with it, but I know, I know it's a high end piece. It was quadraphonic. It was a, it had a four port, four a four uh, four outputs. So I mean, quadraphonic. Yeah. That seems so 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 last century. Now it's five one, isn't it? So it's not, nice not quite surround, well. <laughs> but kind of you Sometimes know. Sometimes the form factor is important. I mean, it had nice nice big square buttons on it. I seem to remember, and I seem to remember it was kind of a reddy brown anodized. All oh, like right, that. I'm gonna have to find a picture of that now. You're gonna have to keep talking yeah. while I do while yeah, I search the internet. Stack them up, yeah. Uh, Quantec Room Simulator, I think was it. Yeah, let's see if I can find it. Oh, here we go. Yeah, there it is. Right, uh, Quantec Room Simulator, right there. Let's see if we can zoom a couple of these in. There you go. There's a there's that's it right there. Does that ring any bells? Doesn't it look I'm lovely? not seeing it, so... Oh, you're not? Are you not seeing any video, or...? No, I mean, I see you guys, I see you guys but I don't see any extra stuff that you put up. Oh, uh, okay, I'm sorry about that. But there, yeah, that's it. Anyway. Um, oh. So, 
it's funny now. Now, obviously, this this so this project basically just the, the master tapes came to light. They remastered them and released them. You know, for whatever reason. What's what now? Listening back to it, do you kind of was there? There must have been a temptation to kind of go. Oh, you know what? We could just sort of do this, or you know. Well, kick, it wouldn't be kick the, drums we, have come have come yeah. on since then. We could have added a bit more of this or that or whatever. You know, it's it wouldn't be a period piece then, though, would it? You know, no, so that's, that's kind of like why I think one of the decisions was to, to let it be the art that we created. There's a lot of live instruments on it too. You know, I, I, mean, I played a lot of live drums on songs like um, "People Know Your Name." Um, uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, Your Dreamin' Pal. You know, like all those those drums I all rec- I recorded in this big room. They've got a very ambient oh yeah. There's sound. some great drum fills in that. That's uh, is yeah, that I you then? That's me. Yeah, I did all that yeah. stuff. Here, here's a little bit. If I fade a little bit up, this is called Your Dreaming Pal. Obviously taken from another uh, quote somewhere. That's the one. That's you, is it? That's your your room toms. Yeah, you can hear the sound of the big room. Is that here behind you? The yeah. space behind you? Oh, exactly. wow, cool. That's a great. I mean, that's a very uh, dare I say it. It's got that kind of classic sort of Phil Collins room sound, but really oh, yeah. sort of. Ah! Sorry about that. I know. I know. Mark. Mark has an aversion to that. But... I don't think Nick would like it if you said. No, Phil but Collins. it's got. It, it, it has a sound that has a place, you know, and that. It's, like, something... it's sort of a gated, gated room compressor. Exactly, but I love. I mean, it's. I love that kind of thing. That's very brash, and it's got. You know, yeah. it makes a really bold kind of. You know. And very few mics. A lot of times I would use, like, you know, the drums are mono, so it would be, like, you know, maybe two or three mics, and, and it was rarely stereo. I, I, I'm a big fan of mono drums, even to this day. So yeah, you, you were saying that um, you record, you know, you've got all this vintage stuff. I mean, do you use vintage recording techniques there as well? I mean, how do you kind of utilize I mean, a lot of this stuff? I, I, I suppose so. I mean, really, I mean, you know, I mean, we've been, I've been doing it over 20 years, and I've got a guy that I've been working with now, well, uh, since for about 17 years, almost from... Back to the, and we work kind of hand in hand. Our jobs overlap, and we share information and stuff. So we do all like tons of different things. We we, we like to experiment. I love the Tom Waits records where you, you know you stick a, a mic into a tin, you know, trash uh-huh. bucket and put a little amplifier in there. And you know, is we that, just is that, that is not uh, Chad Blake does a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we love that stuff. You know, we, and we're always experimenting. You know, you get bored when you we we're here six days a week. We try to you know, amuse ourselves, so... <laughs> I know, I'm going to try this. You go down to the bottom of the stairs and I'll drop a ping-pong ball. Oh, we've thrown guitars down the stairs. That's oh, a good one. Right. Just a cheap one, though, like, you know, a Sears guitar, like a $49 one, um, you know, and you you took duct, duct tape and you tape the, you know, the, to the cable real tight and then you set up some microphones on the stairs and you get it feeding back and then you turn one of the strings until it breaks and then just throw it down the stairs. It's a phenomenal sound. I've only done that once but it was great i suppose the thing about that is also i mean it's very easy with everything in the box to kind of just not you know, i gotta not, say not that push it's, that yeah i mean i think that a real Rhodes and a real hammond c3 are never they're getting better with all this software and everything but to me like there's something about stuff that's real that sounds real and it's I've, that's what i've kind of built my whole thing on although i've changed i mean i love plugins now and i love uh, a lot of the the soft synths you know and stuff and I, I think they've come full circle but i still like to mix up real and unreal stuff you know so what do you do from your mix from a mix point of view there do you you mixing sort of in the box but with external hardware to kind of oh uh, like no we it? use um yeah we use uh, the dangerous two um we have like you know 16 channels of that um and we, that like we, a summing, summing. Now, we use a lot of hardware like on our mixes 
Um, you know, with you know, we've got a lot of. I can give you a little tour, but you know, back then we were mixing on an SSL console. Now we just use the Dangerous Two stuff with uh, Pro Control. Ah, okay. So it's it's all it's all the kind of tools scenario. And just out of interest, yeah. No. Where, where do you stand on the uh, upgrading Pro Tools? Where are you? What version are you running? Um, we are. Um, we're just now moving up to ten. I'm using like eight point five. I've got like four different systems in here. Um, so I've got. The gamut, you know, from, but 10, we're, we're actually in the process of upgrading to 10 now um, on the main rig. Ah, okay. Um, I've been very slow with it because, I mean, you get things working so well and everything's just cruising along and, you know, I've been putting it off for a while. Yeah, I mean, and, and unless you really need what it's got how to you, offer. How are you going to get around this whole change of plugins, though? Well, I don't, I think I'm, gonna, I don't think I'm going that far with the AXX thing or whatever that is. I'm going to stop break it just at 10. And, and, you know, for, for at least a couple more years. Right. Um, and that'll be fine. I mean, you know, I, we do everything at 48. And, like, I, I've been t- talking to a lot of engineers and producers about going to 96. And it seems like for all the, the amount of space you take and, the, and everything, and it, get its, and it ends up getting dithered back down to 16-bit at the end. They, I guess the, the, the gain is not all ex- that exciting, you know? I mean, right. but I'd like to hear it, you know? Yeah, well, as we've think, as, as we've said before, you know, when you and then you're walking down the street and you hear someone listening to it out of a kind of speaker oh, on earbuds, phone, yeah. and you're like, yeah. crappy, crappy earbuds." Yeah, I suppose so. Um, uh, but going back to the uh, the TV mania thing, I mean, now it's sort of come back out, and you're you're listening again. Is that does it? Do you find that it kind of um, sets loose a few memories and kind of things of the time? Oh, that, you yeah. know, had God, yeah. I mean, it's like I, you know, just to, you know, brings back a period, the whole period, really, doesn't it, Tinley? Just the the whole everything. I can smell the hotel I was staying in. You know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can when I hear those songs, I can actually, and you know, actually, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to one evening, right? Nick and I are in Warren's house. Warren's gone out somewhere, and we've got the Jupiter Four going, and it's doing this beautiful arpeggio thing. And then we found this uh, sample of a child saying, what's in the future, which we sampled off the TV. And we had that kind of, and this loop and this thing going round. And I I walked to Warren's uh, back door where he had that kind of um, uh, security grill across the back of the house. And I looked out and it was snowing and it's like London. It's never dark in London. There was just that orange kind of sky so i'm looking at this orange sky and these snowflakes falling into warren's garden and they're like and there's a layer of snow in his garden which is unusual for london as well and this music playing in the background this magical kind of thing with this child and i was like transported away somewhere i was just like wow what is in the future and i guess <laughs> the here we are <laughs> here you are now you know <laughs> that question has been answered today <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that piece. I, I had a lot of fun with that. I, I put some lap steel on that. That ooh, there's all kinds of weird sounds in there. Little tinkling bells and um, analog beatboxes, and that's one of my favorites, Tinley. Actually, I think that that yeah, Jupiter sound is my, it's my absolute favorite. Uh, you say so? You was it like a remote gig? So you got the tapes and you transferred and you mixed there. Did, were you working remotely effectively, or were that, um, was yeah, it, I was in I was in the states and like basically I they sent me the the what you know the tapes that they had and then I spent you know about six weeks working uh you know in my underwear playing bongos and stuff, um, <laughs> you know, in my spare time. <laughs> so what? How do how? Because that's interesting. Because now you know, obviously, we can FTP a, a, a track or however we want to do it. Oh, we track. did ISDN back then. That was atrocious. Yeah, I remember uh, having to do that a few times. 
We almost got fired a couple of times. phone lines at once, wasn't it? Oh, my God. I almost got fired a couple of times because they were getting joint stereo instead of, like, discrete stereo. And it just, like, turned into a smeared mess. And they're like, well, we wanted marmalade and you gave us chocolate fudge. Uh, Actually, that reminds me. We used to go out to Real World when uh, we'd had a mix and somebody needed to hear it real fast. We'd take a dat out and we'd sit in a room and they'd play it down the phone on the phone. Say, yeah, you get that? Okay, thank you. Click. And then there'd be a phone call, you know an hour later and whoever yeah. it was had heard oh, it and you'd get the notes but it was amazingly expensive I remember there was a special oh. ISDN room lots of studios yeah. had them didn't they I'd forgotten about yeah. that yeah. yeah and it was very expensive yeah well it took six phone lines because yeah. ISDN's 128k BPS so you need to multiply that by six just to get the bandwidth for well, it has special codecs in it as well god that takes me back oh, I it's actually, a nightmare I actually, I actually remember having an ISDN line when we started Sonic, but it was so expensive that we only turned it on like really, really occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you had to. But it's just but bizarre, was... though, isn't it? I mean, I was thinking about, I bought an iPad, well, I didn't buy an iPad mini, I got one for my birthday, but I bought one of the little chips that goes in it, you know, the SIM card. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh, I've got one gigabyte of data a month, I wonder if that'll be enough. But, I mean... It's just, it's such an astronomical amount of data compared to what we were dealing with then. I mean, it's oh, just, my gosh, I know. You know, a gigabyte, I'm kind of considering, oh, I wonder. But uh, I, all this media flying about now, we're kind of, you know, our audio stuff, what would have been a big amount. 32 then, megs of RAM was astronomical. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, you have 32 megs of RAM? I mean, my God. Yeah. So, um, what's, what, uh, what's the process with this? Obviously, it came out on uh, earlier in March. Um, how's it going? I mean, I'm guessing it's available. Oh, on they iTunes. sold out of the. They sold out of the. Uh, oh, they did limited edition uh, box sets like instantly. I'm oh. still waiting for mine. Oh, we don't get those. <laughs> I said I wanted one. Ah, uh, well, they were gone before we had a chance. But um, really? I did get a gatefold vinyl. I said I think I'm supposed to get a gatefold vinyl. So, I, don't have a I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, I mean, if it comes out, you know, say, let's just kind of uh, postulate on the, the, the possibility. You know, say it becomes a massive worldwide hit or it gets a huge sink in a movie or whatever. And then work comes of it because that's the way these things work. Yet yep. it's work that you would be hired for for something you did 20 years ago. It's kind well, of a strange crazy. dynamic. How do, how, I wonder if that's uh, how, how that would work. I mean, would you feel that um, you could go back and apply some of those techniques and, and whatever, or, or would you kind of uh, be, be who you are now? I, I think you'd probably be who we are now and just take, you know, where <laughs> we've evolved to and see what happens now, you know? But, there, I, you know, I still every now and then fire up my old Akai samplers, and um, they have a certain grittiness that I really like, you know, and um, they're, they're fun. I've been know? speaking it's to like, a lot of people, actually. What they've been doing is they've been putting uh, uh, SD card adapters in them. So yeah, you get yeah. the sound and you get all of that stuff and you can load the entire library really fast. So you get the Akai-ness, but you don't get the kind of sitting there for saving and loading programs and all of that ridiculously. That's an interesting idea and that's happening with a lot of samplers. A lot of old samplers, uh, I was speaking to a chap, um, Dan Wilson actually from Hideaway Studios, the guy who's got the Novacord. He's got a bunch of old... Uh, 80s and 90s samplers that has just put SD card adapters in so that you can just have like the entire library on one. And that's, that's cool. That's really great cool. Idea, yeah, that's very cool. Um, so, My answer to that question is I think I still make music pretty much the same way as I was making it then. So anything that I, or lots of things that I do sound like TV mania inadvertently. And I quite often make tracks that have that kind of feel to them. 
Yeah. So hire me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want that sound. I would like. I'll send nice it to, to keep, Anthony to produce. It'd be nice to have the whole gang back together again. I, I've kind of replaced my whole studio with um with this thing. I'll show you. Op one. Ah, you got a, a, an op one. Excellent. You've what's, 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 what's this thing got plastic that. on it? What's the plastic doing on it? That's so that I don't get the keys sticky. Wow. A, That's a bit, a bit. Isn't a, that a bit like having having a sofa and leaving the uh, and having <laughs> having the vinyl on it? <laughs> yeah, it really is, and that's me, pretty much. So you want to keep wow. it? You want to keep I that? Never take the Sony stickers off things. I leave them on forever. Ah, you enjoying that though? This thing comes up with sounds that, I mean, I can't even explain it. People like there's a big controversy online. People think, oh, it's a toy. It's an overpriced toy. You're an idiot for using that. But um, you know, there's just. Tinley would have a ball with it. It's got crazy algorithms in there, and you, you just keep discovering funny, interesting ways of manipulating things that are different. Like they have shapes, for instance, Tinley. Like, and you drop like balls into the shapes, and the shapes spin around, and they become notes. And you can make the ball turn into a hexagon, or open up a few of the doors and let some of the balls escape. It's just a different way of. Uh, that sounds brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd like that. I know how you think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is a great thing. I did review it um, when it came out. Fortunately, we got hold of one of the early ones and got managed to get a review in. And it's it, it, that honestly, that has had on YouTube hundreds of thousands of views just because it's it's you know, such an eye catching thing. There's people making like records on on the thing. Um, you know, the four track has got a four track analog sounding recorder in it, and you know, you know how it works. It's just it can bounce things, and you can. There's a beat match function where you can actually do the the tape to tape speed at halftime, so you can do those like George Martin esque piano runs like uh, yeah, oh, at cool. double speed, and just um, you know, there's some monkeys in there who like to come up with their own rhythms. You put on the monkeys. And it's just, <laughs> so is this going to be something? Are we going to see an album? Put you, your next project. Are you looking for work as an OP one producer? Oh well, I mean, I, I I tend to use a little bit of it in things. I mean, it's it's it, but you know, it's like a hard drive. You can drag any AIF sound um, onto it yeah. and manipulate it. So it becomes once it goes into the OP one world, it, it, there's all these tools on this thing, and I keep finding new combinations. And um, but I was going to show you the monkeys really quick because the monkeys are just really really fun. Um, let's do, um, there we go. Here's <laughs> the monkey. It's along the same lines as give the monkey a typewriter and you'll get the complete works of Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Their graphics are fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> monkey drummers. Let's hear it yeah, for the monkey drummers. I mean, the, some of the TV mania music-making devices were toys anyway, weren't they? So, oh, definitely. Uh, you know, adding, I think bringing toys into music is always a good thing, personally. Yeah, well, they're I, all over here. I, love, I have toy pianos and toy, toy guitars. There's, I have a song called Love is a Twisted Melancholy Disease. Pretty cool. And you can, it's, uh, I have an alter ego, Rage, uh, Ajax Rayovac. Oh, and yes. I play this Fisher-Price guitar. Oh, if you sweet. look up... If you look, it's a marvelous little instrument. And um, if you look up Ajax Rayovac, Love is a Twisted Melancholy Disease, you'll see the guitar. It's fabulous. Toys are just joyous in music. My little guy, I have a one-year-old, he gets these shakers from people. And I'm like, I steal them. I bring them to the studio. They're like better than the, sh the shakers you can buy in the music store. Ah, oh, they're like things. I'm just looking here. There's... I'm looking for the guitar. Oh, there we go. If I can switch it in, you can see it quickly. That's that my there we go. 
Is that the Fisher Price guitar right there? Yeah. There it is. That's how I figured out Makes you look so giant as well. There's a sort of yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> the giant guitarist doing his rock thing. Um, it's, this is this is a great fun discussion. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else we need to cover from the actual kind of um, TV Mania point of view. Apart from the fact you can go and get it. You can get it at uh, tvmaniamusic.com. Uh, there's links there to do it. Uh, I think I've actually got the... Uh, the, the I think there's a video for Euphoria on oh, YouTube is there? now is it as out well. Yet? Oh, is I didn't out? know that. I was, I was looking for I think for it is out. Oh, okay. I think, it came, I think they put it out yesterday because I yet. saw it float by on... It's not out yet. That's one oh. of the samples from the whole... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw on, it float see. by on Twitter, but then Andrew might have accidentally released it, in which case you can go and watch it quick before he gets told off and they have to uh, take it TV off again. Uh, I can't see it yet. No, not yet. No. And I was looking, there's some interesting stuff about what they're doing, some remixes and, uh, and kind of oh, franchise. Yeah. That's that thing. Maybe we should do a bit of uh, uh, chat about that because that's, uh, let's have a look. Where's it got? Franchise. Beat, here. Beatport. On Beatport. Ah, okay. But there's, uh, you can basically, I think the idea is, uh, oh, I get it. You can actually be part of the TV Mania. Uh, you'll see the Manifesto toolkit full of samples of loop with some design items that you can use to create your own version of TV Mania for your location. Uh, looking for advanced users, musicians, producers, DJs to submit their version of TV Mania, which are then picked to showcase to the world. So I'm guessing it's like a kind of remix competition dressed up with a bit of art by the sounds of it. But it yes. sounds like a great idea. Which is where the Sonic State listener comes in. So you, the Sonic State listener, are being invited to come and play with this thing. Um, because, I mean, they're kind of, you know, we're looking for people who are specifically good at this sort of thing. So the the franchise pack is going to have, like, some artwork in it. And it's going to have some uh, samples in it and some stems so you can create songs. But the whole idea of it is that you get to be TV Mania. So instead of like doing a remix for the band, you get to be the band. You get to be a franchised version oh, of the band. So I've taken TV Mania Cambridge, the, the home of high-fidelity audio, and <laughs> I'm going to be doing some very high-fidelity TV Mania. But, of course, you could take, I don't know, whatever you want to take, like TV Mania Hawaii or whatever's available, oh, whatever someone hasn't idea. got. That's a great idea. Take the packs. There's a manifesto which gives you some instructions about what to do. And um, and then you submit your music to the franchise, and you get your franchise, and you get to call yourself TV Mania. That's the idea, anyway. Ah, brilliant! Right, I've we've just lost um, we've just lost uh, Anthony a moment. He's coming back now. So where yeah, you need go. to go for that is tvmaniamusic.com forward slash franchise, and that's how you get it. So uh, yes, do check that out. That's a very interesting idea. Um, and it sounds like it could be fun. Is there money in it, or is it more for the fame and glory? I've no idea. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> I've never been paid. <laughs> fame and glory. No, that's not strictly true. So, um, Anthony, <laughs> uh, what do you think the chances are of actually being able to unplug your laptop and take us a little tour of your studio well, as a sort of um, as, as a parting shot, maybe to close up? I'd love to do that. Except for a second ago, that was the sound of me disappearing was my battery dying. So, like, I, I, I can get a little oh. bit of a. Uh, ah, okay. Because now you're back on. I'm back on power. But let's see how far I can get with this thing. I just stepped on a ukulele. Oh no! That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see pictures of you on Facebook, Anthony, you're always on your knees on the floor, surrounded by all these. Oh, yeah, look at all pedals. these. This, this is just right. one area of pedals. I'm so pleased to see that somebody has a more wow. messy studio than I do. 
Oh my God! Well, it it comes and goes, you know. Then I have an important meeting, and it'll look perfect for about five minutes. Yeah, you need a big curtain. You can just swipe across. <laughs> yeah, there, there's another station over there. So that's the B rig over there, and then right. the main rig is is over here, and then I've that's got a lovely space. The D rig is over here in the kitchen. So uh, I don't know if you can... swing around and show us the desk again. This so is um, the, desk. the main the main uh, rig there, and then okay. I've got my. And this, this is where I've been doing my guitar stuff in this, this world here. I got a OP1, a pocket piano. Um, chaos pad? Yeah, chaos pad and a bunch of stuff. A couple of little amplifiers. Um, we got loads of amps, like a lot of vintage amps and stuff. And then if you look way down there, you can see all the guitars, some of the guitars. Um, uh, okay. Down the other you end. You can always go to Bobnik Music. Uh, sorry, Bobnik, uh, which I'm yep. trying to find now. Uh, there yep. was. Uh, I think I lost my... Uh, if I go back here, it might show up. I, I did it as a, I had it as a, a as a page up, and then it's gone. I think we just lost. Uh, uh, I think the the power must have come out. So maybe what's going to happen is when we get when we get uh, Anthony back, we can say goodbye because um, we've uh, we got a lot of. Uh, I, I thought this was going to be just a brief chat, but it's turned into a fantastic bit of content, and uh, I very much appreciate you giving your time this generously. I know. Um, you oh, I love I love it. You know, I'd love to share music and ideas, and um, you know, we do workshops and. You know, I'm I'm always game for any any kind of. Uh, well, it sounds. I mean, maybe sometime in the future, you care to come on the show again as a as a regular guest and just sort of comment on. Love the, it. That's the way we do things. It's the way we roll, man. But thank I'd you very much, Anthony. That's absolutely fantastic. So, Anthony uh, J. Rester, there you can find him at bobneek.com. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank and, you, guys. Tinley, it's great to see you again, man. Yeah, and you, yeah. And speaking of Tinley, there's Mark Tinley, likebeing.com. Um, both of these guys are, um, you can get their stuff at tvmaniamusic.com. This is where the, the final release has. But obviously, you know, both of them have been working on sub, lots of other stuff in, this, in the meantime. It's not just about that. I'm guessing, yeah. Anthony, you've, you've probably got, have you got a project on the go at the moment that you can talk about? Uh, I've got a bunch of different things going. I, I kind of keep, I have a SoundCloud, just SoundCloud slash Ajax, and I put up stuff every week. I mean, we're here six days a week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm traveling. I've got a bunch of different... I, my, my head spins because I can't keep up with it at all. Um, oh, that's, you know, good. that's great. Several album projects and film. I'm getting into film uh, composing. I'm working on a full-length animated uh, movie about robots destroying each other in space and like lots of blood and guts and all kinds of good stuff. Cool. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us. It's been a great pleasure. That was Sonic Talk number 306. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. See you later. Take care, guys.